Hello and welcome to every woman here on KKFI. I am your second Saturday host, Jalissa, and I am so happy to be here in studio with you all. Um, So on our second Saturday show of Every Woman, I like to really focus on healing practices and modalities in Kansas City, as well as draw on some of my experience as an herbalist. Um, And this show is going to be very participatory, so we'll have our phone lines open later for you to call in and join the conversation since it is October I am wanting to really focus on the fall. And for me, that is expansive. Um, It has a lot to do with the end of the season, harvesting, celebrating, as well as it being a notoriously witchy time of the year. And some people may call me a green witch or a kitchen witch because of the things that I do working with plants, um, which I wholeheartedly embrace those titles. So I wanted to get a little bit witchy with this Every Woman show, as well as just talking about different fall traditions, recipes. Um, So keep an ear open and our lines will be open later in the show too for you to call in and contribute with some of your favorite fall recipes, practices, if you want to give a shout out to any kind of fall activities happening in Kansas City or places that you really love to visit this time of year as we get to see the leaves change and we get to experience this kind of shift in mood and temperature around us, which I'm sure if you've been outside today, you are feeling it. You might even be a little more bundled up than you have been in the past couple of weeks. Um, So yeah, I wanted to start the show off by kind of going into that topic of witchcraft a little bit more, um, because I see a lot of interest and curiosity in pop culture now about witchcraft, astrology, the occult, um, tarot, crystals, all of these things. And my background with um, kind of earth-based spirituality comes from working um, with plants, working as an herbalist, and just acknowledging and celebrating the seasons. And um, there are things like Wicca, which is an organized religion, or paganism, which is kind of a general... um, cloaking and drawing on many traditions of um, spirituality that may or may not practice witchcraft. And we can find witchcraft in our own communities and botanicas where people may seek out someone um, to take counsel with or to, to get advice from or help through some kinds of candles or tools or implements that they can take with them and bring into their home. And there's a lot of influence um, in North America from hoodoo culture of of conjuring um, and crafting in that sense. And so I'm coming from the craft as more of this Celtic background, which is just what is culturally appropriate for me and which has to do with that relationship that I have with plants. Um, But yeah, witchcraft is super multifaceted and a lot of the times it has to do with creating balance 
or harmony between the divine masculine and feminine, um, maybe honoring the elements, or it can just be simply putting someone's intent or will out there. And there is the, always the um, cautionary saying that of threefolds that anything that you put out, it may return to you three times. Um, so kind of a be careful what you wish for sort of uh, lore and, and warning, but um, also great to consider in, in practice too. But a lot of kind of everyday superstitions or if you have a mantra or if you really believe in affirmations, um, that can all kind of tie into crafting. And it's a really fun time of year because people are embracing that a little bit more. I know like every Halloween, I'm always afterwards like, oh, why can't we just have like Halloween once a month and people can just kind of embrace um, characters and kind of explore things that normally would be um, taboo or morbid to explore any other given time of the year. If you start hanging skeletons on your lawn um, in December or in February or something, <laughs> people are going to be asking questions. Um, so yeah, like like I said, with, with the crafting and all of that, um, I wanted to briefly discuss Samhain, which is considered the witch's new year. Um, and it's also falls on the same time as Halloween. So we are all kind of in a, October is definitely highlighted by Halloween in this um, sort of like scary and, um, and fun, extravagant energy that comes with Halloween. And Samhain has kind of a, a Celtic pagan um, background to it, but it's referred to as the Witch's New Year because it's supposed to be beginning the wheel of the year cycle, that there's these different Sabbaths um, that are connected to the seasons as well as the the solstices and the equinoxes that happen twice a year. So it is, Samhain is the midpoint between the fall equinox being the first day of the fall, where the sun will rise directly in the east and set directly in the west, and between that and the winter solstice, where you have the longest night of the year and the least daylight. Um, the summer solstice being the opposite of that, where you have the most daylight during the year. And of course, if you're living on the opposite end of the globe, you're going to have that reverse experience that we have here as far as those seasonal shifts. So it is um, at this midway point and it is celebrated as um, a final harvest. So really kind of enjoying and embracing that those last gifts and that last bounty. Um, and it's considered that jumping off point as well too, because it's a point of entering the darkness or entering the cold. And really it's about a shift in energy to where in, in the summer we have this solar energy 
um, and we're really getting energy from the sun and um, really expressive and outward and it's preparing us for that winter time and that shift in energy where you're going inward things are slowing down the plants are actually storing their energy back into their roots and returning deep into the earth and it's a reliance on the core energy of the earth on the the core the center of the earth um, and and that kind of a slowing down process and also Samhain is known for being um, a time where they say the veil is thin so the idea is that the spiritual realm and the physical realm there is a bit of a loosening um, a bit of an ease of access and that's kind of where we get a lot of that crossover between Samhain and Halloween as well as we have like Dia de los Muertes Day of the Dead that similarly um, is acknowledging this thinning of the veil as well too and so there are so many ways that um, culturally these season changes and these shifts are acknowledged um, but Samhain is just one of them coming from that Celtic tradition and it is spelt S-A-M-H-A-I-N so if there's any Danzig Misfits fans out there um, and you've ever listened to the band Samhain it's the same it's the same name and is probably inspired by Samhain um, the holiday itself. And if you're interested in maybe celebrating Samhain or incorporating some of that into your Halloween practice, so it is, it falls, um, usually it's celebrated from the 31st of October to November 1st. But a lot of people will prep or celebrate beforehand too. Um, because of that thinning of the veil, a lot of people during this time like to create an ancestor altar. And no matter what your spiritual belief is or practice, you know, you may be listening and being like, I, my mama told me better than to, to do any kind of witchcraft or this or that. I, I understand. Um, but creating an ancestor altar is just a way to acknowledge your ancestors, your family members, people that you have passed that are maybe chosen family or people that you idolize or have found inspiration from and creating a sacred space for them. So having pictures and um, maybe if you have crystals or if you have flowers or if you want to provide some food offerings of some fresh fruit or things like that. So just allowing yourself to engage with the spirit or engage with the past um, and invite it into a sacred space in your home or wherever you deem fit to have it. Um, and I love doing a Samhain altar and having an ancestor altar. And I, I kind of try to keep one regularly, but it's a really um, wonderful time of year to do that as well, too. Um, having fires, uh, bonfires, and also creating things um, that you'll be using for the winter season at Samhain. So it is that midway point um, before you're entering winter 
to where prepping things like tea blends or spices or, or maybe canning some things or making a tincture and infusion, which will be I'll be talking a little bit about later in the show some of the different things that I like to make um, during the fall, kind of entering cold and flu season that you can have on hand and that are pretty easy and accessible to make too. So making something like that could be wonderful, holding an altar space or else just kind of journaling and reflecting, showing gratitude as well. And I wanted to... um, give a note if you're interested in learning more about Samhain and the Sabbaths in general there is a Sabbaths almanac by Llewellyn's that's published every year that's pretty easy to find at local bookstores there's also so many resources if you just go to the public libraries here you can find lots of books um, they do have even past years in the library of the Llewellyn Sabbath's almanacs that you can check out too because they still are filled with um, a bunch of information as well too so yeah I love um, the kind of crossover between holidays and celebrations like Halloween and Samhain is just one instance of a of a crossover to where there's little tricklings of of um, this Celtic practice that come up in our kind of everyday cultural understanding of Halloween too. But it's one of my favorite times of year as a as a witchy lady to really get into that um, thinning of the veil energy and that embracing the unknown and um, acknowledging the mysteries that are around us. So once we return, we're going to take a quick break. We'll open up our phone lines and we want to hear from you about all of your fall traditions, interests, recipes, and I'll be sharing some of my own. Thank you for listening. I'm Jalissa here on Every Woman. And we're back here on Every Woman. I am your host, Jalissa, here on Second Saturdays. And we are talking about all things fall, fall traditions, recipes, activities. So our lines are going to be open, 816-931-5534. And I'll repeat that number again, 816 816- Nine three one five five three four for you to call in and share some of your fall lore with us. Even if you just want to talk about what parks you like to go to, um, but we would love to hear what are your kind of fall rituals and crafts. So I was opening the show, going on a little tangent about Samhain. Um, about witchy activities, since it is a a witchy time of year, um, crafting and things like that. So we left off talking about creating an ancestor altar, which I would love for you all to um, consider or look into that, adding it to your Halloween traditions this year, if you have not. Um, Looks like we have a caller here. So I'm going to get their information, and then we will bring them on. Um, Also, during this hour, I'm going to be sharing a little bit of information on some of the fall crafts that I like to make. So a fire cider, a garlic honey, 
and some um, fun infusions that you can do as well. So we do have a caller, uh, Lydia, on the line who wants to share some of their fall traditions with us. Hello, Lydia. Hello. How are you, Jalissa? I am doing well. Thank you for calling in. I love hearing your beautiful voice and all of your fall um, festivities and more. And it's definitely that time of year. So I figured I'd I'd give you a call. (laughs) Awesome. Do you have any um, fall traditions or crafts that you would like to share with our listeners? Yes, so my head went to the OG, like, pumpkin carving and roast the seeds kind of um, tradition that probably many have, but um, around fall, I also get, like, a craving for just roasted um, stuff, so I just made it last week. It's funny that you brought it up, but I make a roasted butternut squash soup with, like, coconut cream and turmeric and chicken broth. Um, it's all like substitutable, but, um, just roasted stuff. And I just had it. So when you mentioned not really lore, but I guess it's a, it's a recipe. It's a brew nonetheless. So the butternut squash soup lore, it is lore now on KKFI. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so delicious. And love it. I actually really appreciate you bringing up the pumpkin carving and the seed roasting because some things they seem so like it like, oh yeah, obviously, but I totally like forgot about that even. I wasn't even gonna mention that as some of the the regular really? fall festivities. Yeah, I, I need to get my pumpkin carving on this year. Girl, get you to a pumpkin pad. Yes. But you know, I did the roasted butternut squash and I actually roasted those seeds and they were fire too. So I guess it's not just independently one one uh squash or pumpkin they all taste pretty darn good yes and i love that you added the turmeric in there making it a little bit more extra medicinal and nutritious we try we try <laughs> so yeah i just wanted to share that quickie with you and let you know i'm listening love your show love 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 to you, you guys thank and you. thanks kk bye oh thank you so much lydia we appreciate your call happy fall happy fall <laughs> bye bye Awesome. Thank you for calling in, Lydia. Yes, so our line is open at 816-931-5534, and you can keep the the fall goodness rolling in and let us know some of your traditions. I'm definitely going to be doing some pumpkin carving. It, it is always so fun to get messy. Um, yes, yeah, and it's great for keeping the children occupied for some time with the pumpkins and if you get to go like going to the patch and then the carving and the roasting of the seeds there's just endless kind of opportunities to enjoy that so i wanted to share a um recipe that is pretty well known and everyone kind of has their own take on it it's an herbalist and just a kitchen witch's staple for cold and flu season, and that would be fire cider. Um, If you have not heard of fire cider, it is usually a a vinegar that is infused with spicy 
infection fighters, so the antibacterials, antimicrobials, infection-fighting herbs, and a lot of them you can find at the grocery store. So it is a choose-your-own-adventure situation, which I like, though there are lots of many fire cider recipes. So I'll give you the basics of what I like to use in a fire cider, and then some add-ons. And so you'll be making this fire cider with apple cider vinegar, a raw apple cider vinegar, and a honey. And you will be taking it either, some people will take a shot daily as kind of a preventative during cold and flu season, or if they feel like they're getting a little sniffly, they're coming down with something, then they may be taking it more regularly, like a couple times a day, um, especially on that first day that they're feeling unwell if they're needing needing some of that infection-fighting kind of quality to it. You might just be doing shots of the fire cider. And it is funky. So... They, it does the trick, but um, you've got the honey in there to kind of cut it a little bit. Everyone's different on um, the level that they can take. So you can definitely um, doctor it down a little bit if you're really sensitive to the apple cider vinegar or to the spice and things like that too. But the base is generally a garlic, ginger, and then um, usually some lemon peel, a cayenne pepper, or jalapeno. And so, yeah, you have all of these warming things, which colds, colds are, are called colds because they're, it is actually that you're fighting off that coldness in the body. In, in medicine, we'll think of um, illnesses as hot and cold, and a cold is literally a cold illness. So putting these warming herbs and these spicy herbs into your body it kind of helps combat that cold that you're getting um, externally just from being out in the elements. It's also great for clearing the sinuses as well, too. So you're going to get some, um, you, you may use dried, but this is best prepared with fresh ingredients. And then there are some dried extras that you can add in. So you'll basically get a jar. You're, you're wanting to make sure that everything is clean. Um, and sanitize. You're getting a mason jar of your choosing of size, and you're chopping up some garlic, some ginger, um, some jalapenos, or adding some cayenne powder to it, some lemon peel. You can also add the turmeric and black pepper, cinnamon, onion, or horseradish. Those are all some extras that people would like to add in. Um, but the garlic is always, you always want to have a lot of that in there, in there going on too. Uh, and you're going to cover it, cover the jar completely with the raw apple cider vinegar. And then you'll want to use some parchment paper or maybe some plastic wrap or something like that to seal over the jar so the vinegar doesn't irritate the metal lid. Or you may have like a pickle jar that you might not need to do that. But you'll keep it in that jar and shake it up every couple days and keep it in a cabinet for at least three weeks. Um, though I like to use do it on a full moon cycle. So we have a full moon tomorrow. I like to make things on the new and full moon because I'll always know, okay, I can have a, I have a specific time where I don't necessarily have to pay attention to the date. I'm just like, oh, it's the full moon again. I get to strain out last month's goodies and they're ready now. So it's a great thing to make um, in the fall 
to kind of get through that cold and flu season, but also just to have on hand in the winter time as well too to get some of that that warming spicy goodness from it and it is notoriously very funky tasting so after it has um, steeped with all these fresh ingredients I would tr- I would normally just strain it out um, so you just have the vinegar left over. Some people may blend all of the ingredients in like a Vitamix and then do another straining of it. Um, I personally don't do that but it's up to you. It's, it's a pretty um, foolproof recipe and you get to kind of play with the amounts of things. But generally speaking you want your jar like half to uh, three-fourths full of whatever you're putting into it before you cover it up with that apple cider vinegar and making sure it's covered up completely. Once um, it is strained and ready to go, then you will get your honey. Um, I like to use about a little under like a fourth of the amount of the liquid of a honey and you can easily mix them by warming up the honey in a double boil situation where you're putting it in um, the honey in a little glass jar in some boiling water, letting it gently get heated up. You don't wanna heat the honey or cook it too much, Um, but just getting it heated up so it's a little bit more syrupy and you can easily add it to the vinegar. And then once you add it to the vinegar mix, you shake it up really good, um, let it all get incorporated and you get some of that medicinal benefit from the honey as well too. And then you also get the necessary uh, sweetness that you're going to want with the jalapenos and the if you're especially if you're adding the horseradish and um, the extra garlic in there as well too so the honey helps uh, provide a little sweetness with it and then I, I generally would recommend keeping that stored in a fridge and labeling it as well too so you don't it's good for about like six months depending on the batch. Um, You wanna make sure it's not getting too funky or just keeping an eye on it um, as well too. So yeah, taking some of that daily can be great. Um, Some people's constitution is not gonna want them to do some um, something so spicy every day. But if you can generally eat foods with a little bit of spice like that and it's not irritable to you then It'll, um, you'll get the benefits of it as well as just the kind of gut benefits of the raw apple cider vinegar. So there are so many different fire cider recipes out there. Um, and I wanted to give a shout out to my friend Hope of a Daily Kitchen in the River Market because she makes a really awesome fire cider that she was just kind of crafting on her own and she's had to end up selling it out of her business because people are like, give me the fire cider. Um, So you can find it a lot of places. Um, I know that Harvest Moon Botanica on Troost has a lot of great oxymels, which are similar to what you're doing with, it's a vinegar and honey um, herbal medicine. So they probably have a fire cider there. And um, if you're like, whoa, that is way too much work for me, I am not going to do that. I have an even better recipe for you um, to try at home that pretty much anybody can make. And that is a garlic honey. So it's similar to the fire cider to where you're getting that infection fighting um, benefit from the garlic, you're getting the benefit from the honey, and it is just those two simple ingredients. So 
how you make it, it is very simple. You mix the two of them together. It's garlic honey. Um, I did not invent <laughs> invent that, but it is just a it's a common kind of cold flu infection fighting home remedy that's been used for a long, long time. You want to make sure, especially with the honey, that you're using a sanitary jar and that you're making sure that everything is clean and sanitary when you're working with it. So sanitizing your jar is especially important in this case. But yeah, you'll be crushing up some raw honey, crushing it or dicing it up, um, putting it into a jar and then filling it completely with the honey. And similarly, letting it sit um, in a dark cupboard for a couple weeks and then it's going to be ready for use and taking about a teaspoon at a time. Um, you can eat it or you can kind of like make a little bit of warm water and make a little shot with it if you want to do it that way. And similarly with the fire cider, there are ways to add like a little bit of lemon juice um, or add it with a little bit of apple juice or something like that to make it more palatable if you really do not like um apple cider vinegar. Um, one thing, well, this is just an aside, but with the apple cider vinegar, there's a lot of people that really don't like the taste of it. And infusing it with lavender, um, which lavender is an infection fighter too. So you could do a fire cider that is more of a lavender, ginger, turmeric, black pepper, lemon, maybe like a little bit of spice in there if you're really not wanting the taste of the apple cider vinegar. Um, the lavender actually provides a lot of sweetness to it. And a, a lavender, a little bit goes a long way. So you always want to use just a little bit of lavender whenever you're mixing it into things that you're consuming. Um, but yeah, the lavender does actually have some of that benefit as well, too. And I, I do a lot of apple cider vinegar and lavender infusions where I'm just putting the lavender in the apple cider vinegar, similarly letting it sit for a couple weeks. Um, and you can use that for skincare. It also, if you're wanting to take the apple cider vinegar just for health reasons daily, it does add that sweetness to it and kind of cuts the funky taste of it, which I love as well. So our lines are open, 816-931-5534. If you have some fall traditions or recipes that you want to share with our listeners. We would love to hear from you. I'm going to continue on talking about some more um, fun ways. So these, the apple cider vinegar, the fire cider, the garlic honey, that's all very fun to me because I'm a, an herbalist and I, I love all of, all of those things. But there are ways to, um, in, you do these kind of infusion methods for your Halloween parties or for your fall drinks and beverages and things like that too. So I, we can't really have a, a fall in talking about herbs and spices and fall time without mentioning the the lore of the pumpkin spice latte, the PSL, um, and you can make you can DIY your own PSL if you want to, um, with some cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, allspice, and those are just great um, 
additives for infusions of an apple cider, or if you like spirits and alcohol, um, an infused like whiskey or an infused vodka with those as well too. Um, so in a similar vein to our fire cider, doing some fall infusions, you can take a spirit and um, so that would be like an alcohol and then putting those ingredients, they're generally going to be these dried spices, you can still use them dried, into your bottle. It's easier to pour them into a jar um, just for straining purposes and clearing them out. But that same like month cycle of shaking them up and storing them in a cabinet, you could take um, a bourbon with like the turmeric, black pepper, um, a little bit of cinnamon, ginger in there. So all of those fall kind of warming spices and infuse it with that to make cocktails. Um, but like I said, if you are looking for like a non-alcohol version of that, adding those spices to a brew. So I love um, doing an apple, apple cider uh, with those spices and really um, like kicking it up with the adding in the like turmeric and black pepper and those kind of bolder flavors in there too. So with that, you're going to use what is called a decoction method. And that's where you are boiling down the um, roots and the spices that you're adding to it. So because these are usually hardier things like the berries or the cinnamon sticks or the dried root or fresh root, if you're using that, you're wanting to um, bring, bring the drink to a boil and let it simmer um, till it's reduced about a quarter to a halfway, depending on how strong you want that. And with the apple cider, you can always um, take like a store-bought apple cider, you can add some water to it, or you can um, do just a water boil with the herbs and spices that you want, add some honey or sweetener at the end of it, and then you can mix that in with an apple cider, or you can serve that on its own as a brew. It itself is, is really delicious, especially if you get some, just like a lot of ginger and cinnamon in there, um, and make a and make a decoction that way. So you're basically just making a really infused tea because generally medicinally steeping a tea, you're gonna want it to sit a lot longer with the plant in there. Um, but yeah, these the roots and the dried berries and things like that, they really need to be kind of broken down a bit to get most of that benefit from it. And um, doing like a, boil, like a water reduction of the cinnamon, ginger, all of that is is great for cold and flu season too. If someone's not feeling well, I'll always boil, get a big pot boiling and whatever I have on hand, even a lot of these um, kitchen spices, your pumpkin spice, all of that stuff has some um, medicinal properties to it. And a lot of them are actually beneficial, particularly at this time of year. So it's kind of appropriate that they've made their way into our um, cultural practices and our recipes and our traditions as well too. And I will remind our listeners before I continue um, going on my plant rants here, the 816-931-5534, that our lines are open. If you would like to call in and share some of your 
fall activities, recipes, um, or if you just want to give a shout out to a, a place that you like to visit during this time of year to get a pretty view or to pick some pumpkins or some apples. So with that said, I did want to talk about some herbs on their own. Um, a couple, just a couple in particular that you can easily identify here in Kansas City. And then because tomorrow is a pretty um, epic full moon, a blood moon it is called, I wanted to talk about a little bit about kind of that the celestial going-ons that are happening in October because we started the show off talking about um, all things witchy and fall and it's appropriate to recognize the celestial movements in that particularly October has some some really interesting stuff going on so I want to talk about that as well too but our phone lines are open 816 9315534 if you want to get in on this conversation. So one um, plant that I love this time of year that is really easily easy to identify is goldenrod. Um, goldenrod, it grows in the wild, it grows in patches, and it is called goldenrod or solidago. It has um, these yellowy golden flowering leaves um well they're flowers but little fine leaves and these um, patches of yellow flowers on them so if you're out um, walking in a park or looking around chances are if you see a bunch of these yellowy plants this time of year it's goldenrod and you'll want to obviously id those or um look up a look in a book for plant identification if you've never seen goldenrod before to see what it looks like and what its leaf shape is so you can properly identify it um, but it's i think it's a really underutilized plant um, because it grows readily all over the city this time of year it um, is a great uh, anti-inflammatory for overactive mucous membranes. So a lot of times goldenrod is mistaken um, as being something that triggers allergies, those fall allergies that everyone's complaining about right now that I'm all, I'm all snuffed up with at the moment myself. Um, but goldenrod is actually like mixed with some stinging nettle, is really great for relieving allergy that that kind of shows up in the mucous membranes, um, but also just for any kind of upper respiratory stuff. So the part of the plant that's used is the flower and the leaves in the goldenrod. And when harvesting, you want to be um, obviously acknowledge where you're at, give thanks to the plant, you're not wanting to take too much um, and to ask permission to take from the plant, but it is readily available in the Kansas City area to where you may take a small amount to dry out, to have in your cupboard, to have on hand um, for allergy relief, for this upper respiratory relief, but also um, generally it's a tonic to the kidney and the bladder system. So it's a diuretic, which means it will make you want to use your bladder um, but some people will use it for bladder infections. Um, also, if they're just kind of 
prone to stuff like bladder kidney issues, the goldenrod may be helpful for them too. So a lot of people will use it in a tea form. Um, you're going to want to usually add some honey. It's not the it's not the most delicious of the herbs, but it's also not too pungent. Um, but I love to flavor it with some honey or some sweetener in a tea. Uh, the leaves are the flowers, or you can do an infusion like we were talking about with um, making a tincture, like flavoring your um, your spirits. So your vodka or a brandy, you can use that. And you can even add some honey to the finished product if you would like. And then, um, yeah, so we, with the, the diuretic, the, the kidney tonic, um, some people also use goldenrod topically. So that would be making a salve or an an ointment of sorts or doing an oil infusion with the goldenrod. And that's used for kind of sore muscles, pain relief, as an anti-inflammatory as well, too. So goldenrod is really multifaceted. And I mean, I even until um, like a year or so ago, I wasn't really using it in its full effect. I always knew goldenrod was a diuretic, and I kind of just treated it as that, too. But it does have um, that upper respiratory kind of benefit to it. So it's a really fun herb to seek out this time of year. It's also really beautiful as a flower display, so it keeps really well dried, um, or you can keep it fresh in a vase and cut it like a flower. And yes, we do have a caller. Did they want to join, or were they passing along a message? Okay, so we had a caller, Stacy, um, saying thank you for asking permission of the plant. And yeah, um, Stacy, thank you for calling and giving that acknowledgement because when we're harvesting, you're, you're always wanting to be respectful of the plants. And even though you may see a giant field of goldenrod, um, it's always best practice if, if you've never harvested or taken anything from a plant before that you are... Um, taking a moment to ask permission of the plant to connect to it. Uh, and this is also beneficial to you because you're allowing that exchange between you and the plant and you're allowing yourself to kind of accept its its medicinal or its healing properties that it may have. And you always want to not take too much. Um, there's always the rule of you never harvest from the first plant you see if you're out you know, scouting for something. And, and also a, a giving a land acknowledgement to where you are. We're often on Kickapoo or Kaw land here. So there's many levels to um, providing uh, acknowledgement and giving giving thanks to these plants that exist with us. And it's similar to this idea we were talking about the thinning of the veil of giving thanks to the ancestors, um, giving thanks to those that come before you and the people that have tended the land before you were here as well too. Um, those are kinds of relationships that we might not be active with every day, but are a part of our lives. So yeah, Stacy, thank you for calling in with that message. Um, we're going to take another quick break, and then we will come back and maybe get into some astrology and some more plant lore here on Every Woman. And we are back here on Every Woman. I am your second Saturday host, Jalissa, 
Thank you to Lydia and Stacy for calling into our show. We are talking about some fall recipes and traditions, plants. We talked a little bit about Samhain and the turning of the wheel. And our lines are open before we close. If you would like to call in and share with us, 816-931-5534. Again, that's 816-931-5534. We would love to hear from you. Um, just any any of your fall traditions or fall activities in Kansas City that you would like to give a shout out to here on Every Woman. Um, so we talked about... We're kind of bouncing all over the place, which I love to do when I am just riding solo here on the mic on Every Woman. Um, But I I love, I do see how all of these things are interconnected. So we opened talking about um, Samhain and Halloween and this kind of shift in seasons, this midway point between um, the fall equinox or the, yeah, the, um, the equinox and the solstice the fall equinox and the winter solstice and why it's important to kind of celebrate those changes and shifts too. And these cycles and changes that are acknowledged are also connected to the, the changes and cycles that we go through in the zodiac wheel or that the moon and the sun are kind of are parts of this influence that we have in our traditions, in our, our holidays and our Sabbaths that we acknowledge. So tomorrow being a full blood moon in Aries, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in the stars because there's been a lot and I am no um, astrologer, but I am, I do dabble. Um, Yeah, my specifics are, are the plants and the earth medicine, though I I love to work with the moon, like I was saying before, starting my um, tinctures or infusions on a full moon, and then I know I have a, a whole cycle ahead of me, or starting them on the new moon, to where it's like, okay, now it's time to craft this or make that. So if you're looking to make something a little bit extra potent for your Day of the Dead or your Halloween or your Samhain festivities tomorrow on the full moon. It may be a perfect time to do some crafting of your own, whether you're wanting to make something or just take a moment to meditate. Um, It is called a blood moon because the moon will appear red in the sky tomorrow, and that's because the moon will be full And it's peak fullness, I believe, a little bit uh, before four o'clock central time, our time tomorrow. And um, blood moons happen when the sun is setting as the moon is already in its fullness. So the sun is providing some of that redness that you're going to see in the moon, hopefully, uh, tomorrow night. Pardon me. Um... And the full moon will be in Aries, which is the beginning of the cycle. It's that first spark. It's a fire sign. Um, so it's a really kind of potent, special time to to craft. Um, and also, we have a lot going on um, 
as far as these retrograde cycles that we've been in. So we've talked about Mercury retrograde. That's pretty well known. We also have, um, so on the 1st of October or around that time, we had Mercury um, go back to its normal pace here. Um, we're also going to have um, Saturn station direct. So Saturn um, began its retrograde cycle in June. And it's Saturn is a very slow-moving planet, um, ruling cycles, ruling um, these kind of long-term changes, these developments, basically like the bones of the body as well too physically and saturday or sabado saturn's day is actually the day that is ruled by saturn so it's fitting that i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about saturn because of um it's it's stationing direct um this month as well as um this month it will be once again um, squared to Uranus, which is the planet more so where we have Saturn with these stabilities and these long-term lessons. Uranus is the planet of kind of experiment and innovation and brilliance. And so there's been a tension with them um, through 2021 that's kind of exalted a little bit upcoming in this month as well too. Um, yeah, so there's just kind of a lot going on with that to pay attention to. Um, squares are when there's a 90 degree opposition for listeners that are like, what are you talking about? So the planets um, are are opposing in some way, just like how on the new moon you have a dark sky and you have the sun and the moon in the same position. On the full moon, you have an opposing sun and moon too so tomorrow's full moon will be in aries and we are in the season of libra which is about partnership and balance whereas aries is about the initial one the individual that creative spark that i was talking about too so these signs are connected even though they are are kind of opposing in in the ways that they um, act and the things that they value but it's necessary that they are partnered together so particularly, um, so talking a little bit about Saturn, just to kind of put that bug in your ear if you're wanting to investigate that a little bit more, because I don't have too much time to go on about that. But um, tomorrow's full moon is a particularly good time to do some kind of manifestation work for yourself because we will be entering a bit of an eclipse season. So we'll have a partial solar eclipse um, of the sun in Scorpio on yeah, October 25th, um, later on this month. And eclipse seasons, um, similar to retrogrades where they may slow things down or make things a little chaotic, eclipse seasons are kind of notoriously um, a little bit extra you need to be able to go with the flow sort of thing. Uh, so it can be a little bit tumultuous. It can be a little excessive. We still have quite a few planets that are retrograde right now. Um, and it's normal for planets to be in these retrograde cycles, but it's just been a little bit excessive this for this little chunk of October. Um, so yeah, tomorrow is a great time to really 
just plant your seeds, um, whatever you're wanting to grow for yourself, whatever you're wanting to manifest and craft for the time ahead, and just to kind of give yourself some extra support and some some preparation for whatever may lie ahead. Um, and that comes with things like crafting for your health, like these recipes, like the fire cider, crafting for your physical health, or crafting for your spiritual health, your emotional health and well-being as well too. So that could be any as simple as taking a bath, um, meditating, like I was saying, lighting a candle, writing out um, some things that you want to manifest or some things that you want to release, maybe burning something um, or doing some kind of work to prepare you for the holidays and the festivities ahead, like infusing your spirits um, for your epic Halloween party that you're going to have or doing some pumpkin carving or cooking yourself a really nourishing meal um, and taking some time to to honor honor yourself however you deem fit so yeah keep an eye out for the beginning of this eclipse season there will be some more action in um, November but it's a good time to really um, sit back and enjoy the enjoy the fall enjoy this closing of the harvest so we're, we're coming to the end of that cycle. Um, as I was mentioning earlier in the show, where this is, this is a time of year when um, roots are harvested, um, some being food, but a lot of medicinal roots are harvested. And it's a really special time. Um, and it's connected to that thinning of the veil because when you harvest the root of a plant, you're often taking its life. So the echinacea root that you have in your supplements that you use, that was a sacrifice of the plant, that you're taking its root and you're taking its life force at this time of year when it's drawing its energy back down into its roots and back into the earth. Um, there are some some things like the sassafras root or that grows heavily to where you can harvest some of its root and it'll still keep on uh, living and fighting no problem but a lot of times the that root harvesting is is really special because you're 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 taking the life of the plant um you're taking that essential kind of energy that very saturn deep rooted um, slow grown energy and using that to make medicine too. So I love to think of, of that connection to that thinning of the veil and that acknowledgement of spirit and sacrifice that comes with working with plants. And even when you're chopping up your ginger root, um, you know, to put in your infusions or your teas or just, um, for cooking that it is still coming from that kind of energy and that earth source energy as well too. Another fun thing to do tomorrow night would be some moon water. So that's a really easy kind of craft, a way to incorporate the energy of that blood full moon. Um, and you can do that simply. I like to use spring water, but you can use any water that you want. Or if you made a 
tincture or an infusion that you want to set out over the night to get infused by that moonlight. Um, and basically, you set your water somewhere visible to the full moon overnight and allow it to kind of soak up that goodness of this full Aries blood moon, which will be visibly red and fiery um, and ready to kind of light that spark for you and provide that energy that you'll need uh, moving forward into these colder months. So with that water, you can clean your house with it. You can take a bath with it. If it's drinkable, you can drink it a little bit to consume it. Um, I found that it's really good for hangovers, full moon water, surprisingly. <laughs> but yes, you can you can use it in a spray um, or an ointing, anointing oil or things like that that you're crafting with. Uh, so that's a really easy one to try out tomorrow. Um, that has been wonderful chatting with y'all. Thank you to Lydia and Stacy for calling in today um, and talking a little bit about our fall practices. I appreciate all of you listening to Every Woman. I am your second Saturday host, Jalissa. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next month.